Jesus attacks the commercialization of religion by driving merchants out of the temple. When challenged, he responds mysteriously with the first prediction of his own death and resurrection. In the midst of a seemingly stable religious center, Jesus suggests that the center itself has changed. The Holy Gospel according to John, the second chapter. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here! Stop making my father's house a marketplace! His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of our Lord. God speaks. I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt. God declares freedom and makes covenant with their people. And right away, we hit one of those common misconceptions that does injustice to holy scripture and a disservice to our lives of faith. Many of us have kind of grown up with this idea that the Old Testament is all law and the New Testament is all gospel. And this is simply not so. Law and gospel coexist and mutually support one another in both the Hebrew scriptures, our Christian Old Testament, and our Christian New Testament. Good news is present throughout. God has delivered the people from slavery. God put their bow in the sky to remind them that even when they struggle with humanity, not to destroy us again. So sidebar, isn't it comforting to know that God struggles with people too? Like you're having issues with that guy over there? God might be too. Law and instruction is also present throughout. Jesus repeatedly says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, and he extends the law. It's not enough to just not murder. Also, don't get angry. Parables and epistles speak to how we live in covenantal community under and with the law protecting you and me and all of us together. Anyway, our first reading today comes about halfway through the book of Exodus. We've met baby Moses in the basket, seen him get adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and grow up as a prince of Egypt. We've watched him kill an Egyptian while trying to defend a Hebrew slave, then run away and start a new life. We've witnessed God speak to him through the burning bush and his attempts at negotiating his way out of being the human liberator of his Hebrew people. Moses says, I can't do this because, and God says, well, to help you, I will give you. We watched with anxious hope as he pleaded with the new Pharaoh, the one with whom he grew up like a brother, 
as they struggled over what to do with the Hebrew slaves, people of one God against the gods of Egypt. We witnessed the first Passover in preparation for the final plague, death of all the firstborn males to touch all of Egypt. And then they were free. Oh, but wait, Pharaoh changed his mind again. And they crossed the Red Sea, the waters parted, and the soldiers come after them and are drowned as the waters come back together. God has used Moses to set their people free. And now God makes a new covenant with the people for how they will live together in faith and righteousness. These Ten Commandments, also called the Decalogue, literally ten words, are the guidelines, the boundaries, the rules for how we will live together in faith. The first few are about our relationship with God. First up, no other gods. Whatever else you may put your trust in, that doesn't get anywhere near your trust in the big G God who sets you free. And there's don't take the Lord's name in vain. How many of you uh, grew up hearing this defined as saying something like, oh my God, or Jesus Christ, some sort of like swearing with God's name? Yeah, that's, that's how a lot of us, even if you aren't raising your hands, I know you did. Really, taking the Lord's name in vain is when we claim God, we claim Jesus in something that we say or do, that is actually the exact opposite of all that love your neighbor stuff we get in the Bible. Did you feed the hungry among you? Or did you say, in the name of God, that person doesn't deserve food stamps? And of course, keep the Sabbath holy. We are not made for the grind. Take a day to recreate and recreate. Our next several commandments are about life with our neighbors. Honor your parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness against another, don't covet your neighbor's house, don't covet your neighbor's spouse, slave, livestock, or anything else that is your neighbor's. And despite phrasing so many of these in the negative, you shall not, or don't, this is good news for the people of God. And I think the admonitions against actually give us more freedom. It puts boundaries around certain behaviors and allows us to do so many other things. Take, for example, marriage. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about marriage as covenant, and signs of that covenant might include a wedding ring. Most people, you see somebody, they've got the ring, and you're like, oh, they're wearing a ring off limits. But as we learned from one of our gentlemen, Sometimes you look at your own ring, remember the promises you've made, and you don't go to the bars looking for someone else. The Decalogue just says, don't commit adultery. So that's an off-limits behavior. Right there, don't do it. But now, you are free to love your partner, your spouse, as they need to be loved, and they to love you as you need to be loved or at least to the best of your respective abilities. I mean, we all screw it up. Honor, cherish, bring home their favorite ice cream as a surprise when they're having a bad day. As an outsider to a marriage, you are free to love and cherish one or both persons in that marriage as your friend, 
but you respect the primacy of that marital covenant and you don't interfere or do anything that makes whatever internal problems they might be having worse. Again, in some ways, those do this kind of commandments might be harder. Like, honor your parents. That's pretty open-ended. We all have our own opinions about what that means. We also have a lot of different experiences as our parents' children across our whole lives. In a typical, basically healthy parent-child relationship, our roles and responsibilities with one another shift and change over time. Like that infant is completely dependent on adult care, but that teenager is exerting independence, testing the limits and boundaries of good, bad, safe, dangerous, right, wrong. And then there are those changes that happen when your parents get old and they need you to start taking care of them. Again, this is typical development in a basically healthy relationship. But if your child has developmental delays or certain conditions, they might be dependent on you into adulthood, and honoring you as their parent is gonna look different based on their abilities. Or if your parent is slash was abusive, what it means to honor them is also very different. Because how do we tell the truth about someone who has done us harm without returning hurt for hurt? Sometimes the open-ended commandments are harder than a simple, just don't do this thing. God declares their people free and claims them as their own, sets themselves as the one to be relied upon in all things, in all places, in all times. God provides for the people in their wandering as they struggle to adapt to their new situations. You know, slavery was bad, but at least they knew what was expected of them and the consequences of rebellion. This desert wandering, there's too many unknowns, and oops, sorry, that was a spoiler for next week. God provides their people in this, God provides for their people in this new freedom and says, here's how you're gonna take care of one another. And it starts with remembering the first relationship, me with you. God says that you keep me first and remember that rest was made for you. Share this joy of our relationship with all these other people, even that guy. Together, you will flourish in my name. You will know my love in keeping these commandments, this covenant that I have made with you for good living. So heeding these 10 words, let us flourish together and know God's love and covenant commandments. Thanks be to God for the good news found in laws of love. Amen.